Welcome to Ogilav Nanagus. Conversations about Irish mythology with the story archaeologist Chris Thompson and Isolde Carmody at www.storyarchaeology.com Series 2, The Battle of Moitura Episode 7, Reflections of Moitura The Landscape of the Story The Well in the Cairn It had always been there, this shadowed pool, this well of misted water, stone-lined with damp moss in a reedy place. It had always been there, a soft place of gentle water. But it had not always been a place of such health and healing. It had not always been a place of such consummate skill and craft. It had not always been the well of Slania. It was here that Dienkecht made his stand. It was here that Dienkecht placed his tents of healing. He was aided by his children, physicians of no less skill than himself, Miak and Octriel, his sons, Aravid, his daughter. It was here that they waited for the battle to begin. And the hosts of ranked warriors fell upon each other with great slaughter, the sliding of swords slippery in blood, and the screaming of splintered bone. But as the sun set bleeding into the dark hills, the wounded, the dying and the dead were brought to the craft of the physicians. And each Dodonan warrior was laid tenderly into the waters of the well. But it did not become a grave, for each woke with the rising sun, whole and well. But the Fovra were dismayed in the darkness, for their wounded died, and their dead did not return in the morning. So they chose one of their own to discover the secret, find out the cause. It was Ruathorn they chose. Your mother is of the enemy, a noble woman of the Dodonan, they reminded him. You will find welcome in the enemy camp, for her sake. And Ruathorn agreed, pleased by their confidence in him, certain of his own success. And so he went, this mother's son, and saw the secret craft of his father's enemies. He spied out the healing of the well of Dienkecht and watched him wonder as the warriors were made whole and hale. Proudly he returned to the Fulveran host with his finding. Octrioloc, son of Indeach, was ready with an answer. Oh, you've done well as a spy boy. But now we need the actions of warriors, he told Ruathorn. And Octrioloc called for every Fulveran warrior to fetch a rock and carry it under cover of night to the secret well. While the healers slept, they crept shadow by shadow, until they reached the dark pool. Many stones filled the pool that night, spilling its healing water into the reedy earth. And in the darkness, the well was lost. Stone by stone, it became a rocky cairn, rising under a moonless sky. The pool had always been there, but now, it had become a pool of stones, piled high, cold and dry, in the cool dawn. The pool had always been there, but now it had become no more than a memory of healing, a burial place of hope. The battle hosts met again on the field, and terrible was the loss on both sides. But more terrible was the keening cry of Brig, mourning for her son who would find no healing waters to return him to life.
in the early light. Well, in our previous episode, we got to the end of the text of yeah, Moitura. Finally, <laughs> at the end, yeah. Now, not wholly chrono chronologically, and uh, maybe not every single last word in the ninth century text, but we did get to the end of the story. So this week, we're starting to look more at the, the text as a whole and various themes and aspects that we yeah. wanted to start to really get yeah, into. Let's have a look at the story and yeah. how the story works because we've run through it but now we haven't looked at the story as a whole. Exactly. In fact that's why I chose that bit I think to tell the story this week was the well and the cairn. Yeah. For a start it's a really good bit, it's quite it dramatic is. and we never focused on that, we focused on Ruadhorn in the Forge. Yeah. It's so hard when you're trying to break down the story and to make sure you've covered every bit yeah. but this is our time to reflect on the whole story. Exactly, yeah. And uh, as you said, as well as this being a part of the story that we didn't really focus specifically on, it does carry a lot of the uh, issues and aspects that we want to discuss today, hence yeah. the title of Reflections on Moitura or of Moitura. Well, you know, yeah, when you think of it, Moitura is double from the outset. I mean, for a start, there's two battles. Yes. It's the second battle of Moitura. Yes. I mean, that's bad enough having two the same name. <laughs> and then it's the northern battle of Moitura. Exactly. Or the battle of northern Moitura. Yeah. But there's sort of more to it than that. When you start looking at the whole story, it's almost like looking into a lake. Mm. You see so much more than just your face looking back. Yeah. There's sort of so many reflections, duplications. And every time the wind blows, it alters and transforms the ripples on the surface. And then you get layers of depth within depth and sometimes seeing things that are almost out of reach. Yeah. It really feels like jumping into the story. Yes. Yeah. Which is obviously what we wanted to do from the outset. But well, this um, theme or image of reflection and doubling is something that we did realise all those years ago, back when we were working for the Moitura 2000 festival and first started to dip oh, into yeah, the text. When we did a reconstruction on the site itself. Exactly. I mean, we were on, we really were only scratching the surface, but even then, it was very clear that this was something pretty central to the, the whole story of Moitura. Um, the, all those themes of reflecting and doubling and uh, in some ways, it was that story of the, the well and the cairn, that one spot on the landscape. Yeah, that that everything, there are some surprising qualities to this story. Though I have to say, speaking as a storyteller, I mean, I'm very aware that, you know, duplications, repetitions, mm. um, ironic contradiction is very much part of the, the storyteller's toolbox. Yeah. I mean, traditional storytelling to help the audience focus on what you're saying you will have a run where you repeat the same thing several times yes usually leading to a different conclusion yeah. or a different solution yes you know, it's like the three brothers the first does it the second does it you say exactly the same things but the third and then something different does happens. it differently yeah so that's not unusual it's a form mm. of mnemonics and yeah i mean it's something that i i think that even when i was doing irish for the leaving cert uh we we were taught some of this stuff again in that very uh packaged and sterile way and that was talking a lot about oh you know these poor oral storytellers they can't remember things terribly well so they have to make up these repetitions and so on no, it's not like that at no all. it's not and it, it's it's not just a, a a gimmick if you like to to keep a story going and um, it's also very satisfying as a listener or as a reader of stories well 
you're concentrating hard. Mm. You know, you don't have the ad breaks to go off and get a cup of tea. <laughs> but what you need to do is you need to give your audience time to catch up. Yeah. Time to mull over what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, and so when I'm teaching storytelling, I, I encourage um, tellers to, you know, really concentrate on the first line, to know, it's, it's almost like a marker point in a story. Mm that you can hang on to, that gives you time to catch up, gives your audience time to catch up, refreshes the palate, as it were, mm, refreshes mm. The, the mind, like a cup of tea, really. <laughs> it's like a mental cup of tea in the beginning of the story. Tea. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, I know, you know, in the early texts, these are formalised as triads. And, yes. And not just triads. Not just triads, no. I mean, a, a number of people would know about things like triads. There's one of the Irish triads, which talks about the three drops that a woman sheds a drop of blood, a drop of sweat, and a teardrop. Blood, sweat, and tears. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, that shows that we do like things in that pattern. Yes, all the three great um, tragedies of story. Exactly. All the three. They, yeah. they, the Welsh stories are full of them as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah, there are Welsh tribes as well. But, I mean, in Irish, we do have heptads and so on as well. You know, they can be up to sevens. And particularly, you do find this in the texts that are known as wisdom texts or even in some of the law texts. Um, and they do reflect a pre-written uh, form of lore, you know, that, that it, it seems clear that before the Irish, for example, were starting to record their laws in text, mm -hmm. that a large part of the, the training, the learning and the lore was retained in things like triads and heptads and maxims as well. Mm -hmm. You know, sort of sayings like, um, you know, everyone was equal in Ireland before the Seanachas Moor, mm -hmm. which is to say that the Seanachas Moor, the great bit of law text, was uh, what introduced, if you like, hierarchy and uh, social distinction. Mm -hmm. You know, so... Uh, they are very much uh, a marker of an oral society and a way of encoding knowledge. Mm. But it, it does also go beyond that. It is also a literary uh, technique. And uh, the one that just came to mind there was uh, right at the beginning of Shakespeare's Scottish play. I know we're not in a theatre, but still in Scottish play. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. Um, where, where he meets the witches on the heath and they say, Hail um, Macbeth, Thane of Cawdor, Hail Macbeth, Thane of Glams, Hail Macbeth, he will be yeah. king hereafter. hereafter yeah. There's another around, three yeah. for you, you know. And Sorry, the Glams and Cawdor, yeah. sorry. Um, but, you know, it's again, just like with the three brothers, it's, you know, one the same, two the same, three different. Yeah, yeah. These, these are our established ways of working. Yeah. So we're going to find these. There's a lot that I'm not at all surprised about yeah. in Moitura. But though, when we're analysing a story, though, it's worth going deeper. Yeah. And actually looking at it. It's not just uh, the storyteller's art. No, there, there is more to it, There I are think. more themes. Yeah. So I thought maybe we, you know, it'd be good to actually sort of discuss them. Mm. You know, when I first looked at Moitura and I was sort of struggling with the names and we were trying to get the, the sort of pageant written. Yes. Something that struck me is I kept forgetting who was on which side <laughs> when I first looked at Moitura. Yeah. And one of the problems was because of the similarities with names. Yeah. Especially when I'm not that f at the time, mm. you know, wasn't as familiar with the Irish. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, for a start, the Donan, the Dovnan. Yeah. Now that, that again, it, we're used to thinking of the battles of Moitura as being between either the Tua de Danon and the Fear Bulg for the first one or the Tua de Danon and the Fovera for the second one. But I always found it very significant that the king of the Fovera is in Deich Mach De Dovnan. Mm -hmm. And that, that De Dovnan is so close to De Danon 
as you hear it and even as you read it you know if if you have any kind of like dyslexia or visual impairment then it can be difficult to to see mm. the difference between them written down um and I, so I think that is significant. Now, there's other tales that talk about a group of people known as the fear dolphin, and they're often paired with the fear bug. Mm -hmm. So we've got this sense that we have the Daedonon, who we've said many times over, we think of them as people of craft. Mm -hmm. um, now, I know that's not the only kind of way to understand their title the but ways, that is it? in as a theme and as a meaning I think that really is very central yeah. so you have these people of craft so what about in the Day Dovnan then what's the Day Dovnan part yeah I um, wondered about that yeah well Dovnan is uh, we still have the word in modern Irish Dowan for the world mm -hmm. and so if you like the fear Dovnan are, are the men of the world <laughs> curious and you're saying that in a way the furbolic at the same background yeah that they, they are connected to that and of course we have those uh stories of how the furbolic were carrying great sacks of earth which also you Made know of the earth exactly yeah. exactly what i find curious though is you've got the the, the darlin who uh, are supposed to be the people who are the uh, have the right to live in Ireland. Yeah, the, the people of Ireland, people the men of, of Ireland, Ireland, yeah. And yet, at the same time, they're the outsiders mm. who are coming in to oppose the men of this world. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of strange. I know there's the storytellers. You you obviously want your two sides to balance, to alliterate. It's mm. got to be da Donan, da Dovnan. It goes with the with the telling of a mm. story. But it is an odd thing, isn't it? You've got it these is. two people who sound alike, but mm. in fact it's the two da Donan who are actually the ones who are coming in. Yeah, it's like the invaders, I know. And I think that's... I like invaders. Well, really, but... I say invaders because, you know, it is deeply ingrained in the Irish mind culturally, you know, that, that we are a, a, a subject people who are constantly being invaded by foreigners and suppressed and all the rest of it. And yet the two of the Danon who are supposed to be, you know, our ancestors, our culture heroes, they come in as, as invaders, you know. Yeah. And, and in fact, the Fovro were here first. You know? <laughs> it's an odd one. Yeah. It? And yet I wouldn't see read too much into it, uh, you know, because they, in a way... It's also true that the Dodonan have always been here, but they have become something new. Yeah, exactly. They have become, their crafting yeah. makes yeah. them new. Exactly, yeah. But it's still curious. It oh, is. We haven't finished it. What about, uh, oh, some of their ancestors? They both seem to share the same ancestors. All the time. And, and the biggest and most pervasive example of that is the kind of patronymic of McDelvoith. Oh, they all. <laughs> Everyone is a McDelvoith. Now, Delvoith, again, we don't have any stories which we've found tends to indicate them as an ancestor Ancestors, figure yeah. you know no more than with danu and uh, there's may there's another one and Levin even and Aaron Moss. yeah um these figures who we their names are so familiar but it's also just daddy and mommy exactly or granda grandma yeah. but macdell voice i mean if you look at the episode where elitha comes and uh, meets eru well, he's a macdell voice he's yeah. a, but so is she yeah <laughs> Oh, well, we're not talking about a brother and sister. I don't think so, no. I mean, in, in story terms, now, we know that no. the, there are plenty of myths and mm. folk stories which do involve brother and sister coupling. But I think that in this text, what it signifies is that they are close kin. 
you know and if again if you put your mind back to a time when communities were much smaller yeah they both come from this they, they both ha have a shared ancestor exactly yeah i mean they're part of the same clan or kin group or possibly yeah, yeah. just neighboring kin yeah you know um where uh, we're on this side of the valley and the the, the exotic foreigners from the other side of the valley make good they're marriage materials yeah yeah exactly but i mean dad is also a mcdelvoy yeah now not in our text but um he does appear elsewhere as a mcdelvoy now in in our text the dagda is never given any kind of you know family name like that just about everybody else is except Nua that isn't either neither of them are given this kind of sense of having fathers or mothers mm -hmm. um whereas pretty much everyone else again excepting the Morrigan uh, oh no I'm wrong she's even Damn. given as a daughter yeah exactly mm -hmm. so but the doctor no he's he's really nobody's son in this text but there are other texts where he's called Magdell voice yeah, it's just that is a, a unified ancestor mm. figure. It seems to be one of the most important. I ones. think so. I think so. Well, except for what's the other one? The um, oh, the Inlaid. Inlaid. Yeah. Yeah. Now again, um, in this text we have Balor Inlaid, uh, Balor the grandson of of Nade. Um, now Nade again, he doesn't really appear in this text, but he does come into quite a few others, including Metrical Dinchenica's type, um, and he's paired usually with Nevin. Mm -hmm. um, there's, Which we know is another. Exactly, she's the other great sort of ancestress. Um, they're, they're supposed to have uh, their home, if you like, up at Green on Alec. Um, which is, of course, where the, the Dagda buried his son, Oid, which mm -hmm. we talked about in previous episodes. Um, so Nade, again, he has that kind of ancestor status. Um, but he's very much, in, in something like Alec, he's very much one of the two of the Danon. In this story, we have Ballerine Nade as you know the, the the great enemy um but then there's also you know in that curious list right at the beginning of the the notable two of the Danon who were killed in that in the first battle yeah which is like their ancestors let's get them out mm, of the way yeah. exactly and one of those is Ezlo Magaldi and uh you know the text he's Mac Inley yes. and <laughs> yeah, he's so kin. You, like, once again you've yeah. clearly got this family on both sides exactly as well. yeah absolutely well let's look I mean there's there's one or two other pairings I noticed yeah. which um not so significant but mm. for instance Ogma, who we have our doubts about in yes. some ways. Yes, yeah. Because he only seems to appear, um, you know, he it's, he seems to be Ogmios. Yeah. Well, you know, who's kind of important, a, a bit so of, let's bring him in. Yeah. But he's paired with someone, or there is someone called uh, Ogna. Ogna. Yeah. Um, now, again, this is, some people might say this is stretching it a bit, but um, in a kind of... A, reflected list we had at the very beginning of the text we had this list of the notable to a day who die at the end we have a list of notable fovera who die and uh, there's two there which are called ovna and bagna yeah uh, that appear as a pair um and it did it struck me that ovna is you know one letter more or less away from being ogma ogma um and uh, if you look at the the kind of the sense of the names of and Bagna, they seem to mean fear and threat. And that's curious because mm. Ogma is in this text. Yeah. He's only brought in as a strong man. He's the strong man. He's the train there. Yeah. And it's almost like you've got the strong man on both sides. Yeah. So the strong man on the Dodolan side mm -hmm. is Ogma, and the strong man of the of the Fuvara is Ogma. Yeah. I don't know. It may be stretching yeah, it, but, but it's um, uh, again, uh, it's one of the things one of the advantages of if you like of looking at things as a storyteller or as a poet or as a writer is that you know the, there's not necessarily a 
historical ground for these parents. Why do these work in a literary exactly. or, a, or an oral context? Yeah, and, and of course, you pick up on sound. Sound is really important. Now, there was an interesting one that, that you brought up, mm. which was um, Tethra. Yeah, Tethra and, um, and, and Taltu. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I found that one curious. Yeah. Because most people would think of Tethra as being this sort of underworld male sea figure. figure, yeah. Um, yeah, now the reason that I've picked up on Tethra and Taltu is that, again, they're mentioned in the story, but they don't have a part to play in that way. We don't, yes. we don't meet them... Tethra is almost a, an ancestor. Yeah. Whole, uh, looks like a Fovera Exactly, ancestor. exactly. He, he's put as one of the, the three kings... Of the sea, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And of along with Inde, um, but he uh, never appears. He seems to remain under the wave. Yeah, um, but then there's other stories. I'll go back to the story of Green on Alec, mm. uh, which is such a good one, uh, where in that story, uh, the reason that Oids gets killed by this Kurguna, um is that he has slept with Kurguna's wife, whose name is Tethra. Mm -hmm. So she's feminine in that story and in other stories around the Levergavola tradition she tends to be a female character who's kind of pre Dadanan Firbolg, you know, possibly going back into the time of Nevitz. Mm. That Tethra is a female figure going back to, you know, the the really old ancestors. Like Teltu. And Taltu as well. She's often yeah. given as a queen of Firbolg. So you've got these two um, pre-Dodonan queens. Yes, yeah. And again, they're kind of placed on, on opposite sides in this story. Mm. Um, they do have uh, that sort of ancestress and that pre-Dodonan and Fovera sense. Um, and come to think of it as well, Tethra is pretty much always the sea and is, is sometimes used as another word for the sea. Um, and Taltu, um, the linguist, I can't remember who uh, wrote the article, but reckon that, that as a name, it's um, a name that's been constructed from a place name. Mm -hmm. So Taltu yeah. is very much about a place in the landscape. And there's Tethra is very much about the sea. Yeah, it, again, it's just an inject. We're mm. just drawing a few minor. Mind yeah. you, there's one that's not so minor. Yeah. The, the, the one that always gets me mm. is Octriel. And Octriolock. And yeah. these are kind of obvious. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's well, they're kind of dramatic, aren't in, they? Inescapable. And, yeah, and, not obvious. They're, <laughs> they're just there in your face, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, There's exactly. Octriol, yes. son of Dian Kek, who yeah. builds the... You know, he's there working on the well. Yeah. And it is destroyed by son of Indeg, Octriolock. Yeah. Now, Octriol and Octriolock, that one's hard to just go, hang on, that's not just the sounds of the yeah. words. It kind of looks deliberate. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's it's just unavoidable and, and many ways it's also significant that it is that episode where they both appear now Octriel Dienkerson doesn't appear anywhere else no Isib Miak has another story exactly mind you of course he's alive and well again back yeah the well yeah uh, we won't worry about that he's killed earlier in the text yeah buried yes you know and comes back again and yet he uh you know he, he, he i mean aravid mourns over his grave mm. and all the herbs and the rest of it that's another story mm. but uh he appears again he's alive and well and yeah he hasn't maybe it's the well yeah maybe well, he's well, been well. put in the well they must have dug him up <laughs> and uh dean keck seems to have forgiven him for yeah. having been a better physician than him yeah and they're all there, all four of them of the world, and then it's destroyed. Mm. It's Octriol who, Octriolog, who actually suggests yes. the destruction of the world. Exactly, and how to do it by bringing all the stones from the River Drows. And yeah, it's it's just 
unavoidable and we're, we're going to keep coming back to this but it, do, it does start with the name once you've got those names that are just mm. so similar you just can't ignore it is there any similarity of meaning to their names um i've had a bit of trouble trying to analyze their names um Ocht seems to have that sense of the number eight yeah which is predictable really yeah but it's it's the it's the the second element um you know the real or rule or rulach or thrillach or you know there's a lot of different ways to try and analyze yeah. it i think um when I put up the section of the text that deals with the creation of the well, I think I put up some notes about analysing Ochtril. And uh, it could mean something like eight coverings, like eight bandages, which mm -hmm. I thought might be a kind of a good position type name. The other possibility with Ochtriluk, you know, it could be Ochtriluk, which would be eight tresses, you know. But it's very difficult to come down on something It's a bit of precise. Well, it is. Nothing, unlike his father and his mm. brother and his sister, which are named dead just clear. threw up all yeah. sorts of things. I was hoping for something like that I know. with Octrill. So was I. And it didn't work, did it? <laughs> no, but then I think that's he because... He remained obscure. But that's because his role is different. You know, I think that his role is there to So he doesn't turn flag. up and have this deeply agricultural role I like the rest of his family. I don't think so. But for whatever reason, he's there for that particular episode, you know, because there's this, you know, very strong mirroring with the Octrilach. Yeah, well, Octrilach, again, is only really there exactly. for that moment as yeah, well. Yeah. Suddenly, there is this son of Indek who mm -hmm. has a brilliant idea. It's almost as though those two, that's why I was desperately yeah. hoping that we'd go... Well, to know, find something, yeah, names I know. Meant, and you go, ah, now we understand. Yeah. And this time it hasn't happened. No, no. But again, suggestions welcome. So. Yeah, it's, it's a complicated one. It Mind is. you, it's not just about mirroring of, of names, yeah. is it? There's places as well. Oh, there are, there are. I mean... We started off saying that Moitura is double because there, there's supposed to be two Moituras. You know, there's Moitura Kunga, which is down County Mayo, and we're up in the proper Moitura, uh, which is <laughs> the County Sligo area. Well, there you've got the couple Strand and the couple's and the, bed. Yes, of course, both of which couple, made, made, made by the Dagda, of course, in his two meetings. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there are... As I've, well, I suppose if you like Back to the Well and the Cairn again, yeah. which could be the title of today's um, episode, yeah, I think, the way yeah. we keep coming back to it. Exactly. But, I mean, <coughs> they're on the same side. They're, exactly, that's <clears> it. <throat> Even after the description of um, how it gets built into a cairn, um, there's a little kind of glossorial note that says this place is also known as Loch Liver because of all the herbs that the Enkert put into the well. Loch mm -hmm. Liver is just the, the, the lake of herbs, you know. Um, so there is still that sense of um, almost a, a Dinhenica story. And indeed, at, you even get the cairn is built and it is known as Octrilok's cairn from that day on. Mm -hmm. Although, and in fact, we know it as Heapstown Heaps cairn. Town cairn. Yeah. And it was the biggest, well, I think we'll, we'll talk mm. again a bit more about this in the next episode. And mm. I know it, we've talked about it before. Yeah. But it's actually the, was the largest cairn. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. Of all. It was absolutely massive. Yeah. And there was a great stone. Mm. Pillar stone, stone on the pillar top. Pillar stone on the top. Yeah. Um, which is you know may have even had markings on it yeah which was there until the early part of this century so it's it's a significant site you know they're not all in the Boyne Valley we do have some you know pretty yeah this was impressive megalithic exactly yeah 
Now, we did talk about some of the names that echo each other, but it's not just names, it's also characters and the way that characters are described yeah, in their the own the story. Yeah, the, the one that is most usually examined in the kind of the critical uh, literature on which you're at is the comparison slash difference between Lou and Bresch. Um, that Lou has a Dadanan father and a Fovera mother, but Bresch has a Fovera father and a Dadanan mother. There's so much discussion about that this makes a difference between whether they are allied to their father's people or their mother's mm. people. You know, that, that it's obviously really bad idea to be allied with your mother's people. But I think this has been a bit done to death and I think it's also been a bit simplified. Well, into sort of... Well, it's been so much simplified that uh, my dear friend, Dr. Kiki Ingridsdottir, down in Galway, she teaches... Uh, the story of Maitura as part of her course and uh, asks her students to come up with some kind of summary or some kind of uh, interpretation of the story as a whole. Yeah. Now she's got board games all for students, she's got full kind of graphic novels, children's picture books, all kinds well, of things. so much you can do with all, it, isn't and, there? And they do, her students do come up with this stuff. But one was just Lou King good, Bresh King bad. So that really is the kind of, the, if you like, the dominant yeah. critical view of this tale. It's a bit more complicated than that. I, I think. think it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for a start, I would maintain, and I maintain continuously, that it's not a battle between good and evil. No. The Battle of Moitura just isn't that. It's not even a feud between two separate tribes. No. It's, it's all about, oh, a process of... finding and losing and regaining natural balance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that there's natural empathy. Entropy. Entropy, sorry. Yes. I'm all over the word. I, empathy, I nearly said. <laughs> or it's entropy and en empathy. Yes, yeah. But it's this constant desire to hold the balance. Mm. It's lost, it's regained. Mm. And the other important thing about Moitura, it's about a cyclical Exactly. It's something that, that keeps happening. Yeah, it's not as eschatological. Yeah. What's wrong with me today? <laughs> I mean, if you look at, say, Norse, the Norse story, mm. in the end, it's eschatological. Yeah. It's going to end in Ragnarok, whether yeah. you like it or not. Yeah. But there's a sense that this is mm. a constant balance yeah. of a cycle of things things don't work, they do work. Mm. They don't work, they do work. Which is why at the at the, the way that the, the story ends is with two so-called prophecies of the Morrigan. You know, many people will point to, oh, well, her last prophecy is one of destruction, but you cannot look at that without the one which is a prophecy of peace. So yeah. that says this isn't an ending. This is the way that it always goes. I think it could have possibly been that it becomes... I mean, we don't know. The story mm. just... There isn't actually an ending no. because it's sort of... It, well, I think that the... The, the ending is slightly lost. Isn't the, it? Yeah, the manuscript ending is lost, as, as so often happens. I think that, that it's just either unreadable or missing so and also of course by the time this is written down you've got a much more christian influence which would have tended towards the eschatological exactly yeah but even uh, e even so they still couldn't they, leave they out didn't get it, did they? <laughs> <laughs> but they couldn't leave out that sense that you know it doesn't end with it doesn't have one ending it has two endings yeah I, and it's true that we talk about the, the stories written down by by the monks mm. and the, the christian they, they desired to put on a christian gloss mm. it's surprising that how little they did this yeah well they it, really didn't 
didn't put on it. No, absolutely not. And, th and they didn't sort of suppress or censor it. I mean, we talked about this right at the beginning when we were starting to look at this tale. The Victorians yes, censored it Yes, the censoring comes in the 19th yeah. century. Yeah. But look, let's get on. We let's could talk about to, this yeah. for a long time. Exactly. Um, it, I mean, again, Lou and Brush, they're, they're, mm. their births mirror each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, that they have those classic kind of, you know, fairy tale hero births. Again, it's worth remembering that our text only has the birth of Bresh, but again, it is very much the fairy tale birth, you know, the sort of the, the tall dark stranger or probably tall fair stranger in, in this case, you know, comes to the the lonely princess uh, as she sits alone on the beach and they have this wonderful meeting and this glorious son whose name will be a byword for beauty is born and he grows twice as fast as any oh, other child and he'll be king hereafter. I do feel sorry for him. I know. This before. The way this character just turns up and goes, hail, you shall, you know, we're going to have a bit of fun, but you shall bear this child whether yeah. you want to or not, you know. Mind you, I mean, the the, the folk retention of Lou's birth isn't much better. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, Evelyn's a cipher. Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, she has no relationship with her son to speak mm, of. I mm. mean, uh, no, she, she, you know, you maybe feel better about this when you explain that her name really means a, a colonel. A colonel. And the, the, the seed. And not the yeah. seed. She is the vessel. Mm. But then Eros is just the land. So. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, ni neither of those stories are, you know, what we might take nowadays as a good role model type I know, story. I truly trouble working with those yeah. stories. You've got to make them positive. Yeah, yeah. But they, they are nonetheless, they are kind of all those signs that say oh this child is going to be yeah, a, a yeah. big hero um and yet brush is the one who ends up getting demonized of course and then there's another pairing um which i find interesting mm. you've got lou and brush mm. but you've also got lou and ruathorn yeah and a lou, i think ruathorn is a severely overlooked character in this story yeah absolutely there's a lost story there somewhere i think yeah definitely so and it's it's something that we had a, a sense of you know because once again there's, there's so much discussion about Lou and Bresh where they have the Favre de Danon parentage but Ruazon is if you want to be technical about it he's three quarters de Danon mm -hmm. because his father is Bresh who's half de Danon half Favre and his mother is Brig who is said to be the daughter of the Dagda and you don't get more de Danon than the Dagda no so, so Brig's only appearance as well. Exactly, yeah. But that makes Ruadon, if you like, more Dadanan even than than Lou. Mm -hmm. um, but and he has this kind of very central but also severely limited role as the spy and then getting killed in the forge. Yeah, and he is killed in the forge. Yeah, as in the Welsh story, Lou mm. has a, a twin. Yeah. You know, and in fact, he has an older twin, not a younger twin. Mm, mm. And it's Dylan who is lost in the sea. Yeah. Or goes to the sea. He's yeah. given to the sea. Now, um, Lou also has, is one of three. In, and in the some other of the, two in yeah. the folk story. Yeah. And, well, sometimes he's one of the whole... A hundred, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that wasn't his brother's. That yeah. was his mother's maid's son. Yeah, but it's still children. apparently Kean who who had to well, go Kian through the all of them first. Yeah, so half brothers, you know. But uh, nevertheless, mm. he's described as one of three and yeah. the other two are lost to the sea. Yeah. Just as Dylan it, was lost to, exactly. to the sea in the Welsh. So yeah. you've got this idea of a triple or a double or yeah. triple birth of whom the youngest survives yeah. and the older two are lost. Mm. lost. Yeah. Now this appears in so many folk tales. Oh yeah. Two brothers have a go, the third succeeds. Exactly. 
Um, but the other interesting thing is that Dylan eventually is killed by a spear of Gavanan. Exactly. Who is, if you like, the worst completely, of Govnu. Completely cognate. You couldn't get more cognate with Govnu than Gavanan. And yeah, it was that that was the real clincher for us, I think, to say that Ruadon has a much, you know, there's a much larger part for him somewhere uh, than is given just in our text. So he clearly is another kind of reflection, twinning, doubling for Lou. He's a son of Bresh. Yeah. He could actually be the lost brother of yeah. Bresh. Yeah. The only thing that I would say which mm. detracts from this is it's usually the older one mm. who is lost. Mm. But there is there is something there. Yeah, there that, certainly and is. And I just worry about poor old Ruben. I know. I think his story's got lost. Yeah, and he's had a bum rap, really. I mean, the, there are plenty... The, well, part of the problem, I think, with tracking down Ruadon in other texts is that his name is quite generically descriptive. You know, just red. Redhead, yeah. And there well, he's so the redhead boy at the forge. Yes, <laughs> yes. We'll come back to forges later, yeah. I think. But... Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are plenty of like characters in the Dintianicus and, and other stories uh, who'd be called Ruid or something like that, you know. So it's hard to know, well, is that this Ruid on? You, know? you mentioned one that might be interesting. Yeah, it's only a feeling at this stage. I'd really have to go into it in more detail. And it's it's the, the metrical... Oh, look, we're just playing around with yeah, the story me... today. I mean, we're just looking exactly. at the yeah. the, elements the... within the whole story itself. Yeah, the, the metrical Dintianicus on S. Ruid um, talks about a character called Ruid but he goes he, he's crossing the sea to go to Lochlan which is you know Scandinavia which the other is, land exactly which is where the Fovera traditionally the enemy place exactly yeah um, and but on the way he gets waylaid by nine women of the sea and uh, in order to continue his journey he has to promise that he'll come back but of course he fails to do that on his return journey he's, he's sort of eager to get home so he forgets about these nine women and they take their revenge um, and as far as I remember, it's not that they kill him, but maybe they kill his son, something like that. But it's, it's only a vague exactly. Link, it's it? it's at the at this stage, it's just a, a kind of oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe one day we'll be able to come back and be, say we found Ruadon. It would be lovely to yeah. reconstruct the story of Ruadon. Yeah, but I just feel that he is as important as Bresh. Exactly. Yeah, and, or and even Lou in yeah, some ways. and and is the one that gets left out of those kind of comparisons. Yeah, if you look at Lou's childhood stories or mm. where he gets his bride, mm. he also kills. You know, the the other half, Gronwa, is killed. If I'm pronouncing that one right, is killed by. Uh, a by spear. a spear, yeah, in the in the Welsh story again, yeah, and that Welsh story has that wonderfully mirrored episodes where first of all Chloe was being killed in this way with the one foot on the bath and one foot on a yeah. goat and all the rest. There are motives that, exactly. that do seem familiar. That's the one that interests me mm. most. But then you've got other less important ones. For instance, well, you've got um, Nuada and Indaic yeah. as kills. You know, kings of their people. This implicit link between yeah, that there 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 has to be, if you like, a, a a comparison between their roles. And for a lot of the story, they do both take a back seat in many ways. Yeah. You know, once once the younger, you know, upstarts have come along, then these kind of more seasoned leaders are are, you know, not not as central to the action. I don't see more to it than mm. that. You've got to have a, a king on both exactly, sides yeah. and uh, a, a, a Bresh Nuada. 
Yeah, again, this is one of those comparisons that, that's made particularly when um, discussing this tale in terms of de Maisel's three functions. You know, that you have the function of the kind of warrior aristocrat, you have the function of the, the sort of judging wise man, and then you have the function of the sort of agricultural producer, and how Nuada, Lu and Bresch kind of fulfil those functions. Now, I think that this is a very outdated way of looking at a text, but within that you do have, you know, Nuada is, is king at the beginning of our tale, but then he has to step down because he has a physical blemish, so Bresch goes in his place, who's physically whole, but has a, a blemish on his honour after he makes false judgments mm -hmm. and has satire. Again, so you'd expect this as a storyteller. Exactly. You've yeah. got to balance both sides. Yeah. And yeah. what was true of one will be true of the other. Yeah. I mean, that, that's part of the storyteller's yeah. craft. Now, we've already mentioned Aletha and Kian. Yes. Uh, and the contrast in their stories. One thing I, I was thinking about is, of course, you get the feeling that Eliphas sets this up deliberately. Yeah. I can't get away from this. Yeah. I think yeah. he intends to do what he does. Yeah, to go and create this chaos child. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kian seen kids can do it by accident? Yeah, I mean, what it reminds me of is uh, the, the story that's told in Mozart's Magic Flute, which mm. is where you have Pomeno and Papageno, and they're going off on this quest. Pomeno is going on a quest for knowledge and wisdom and so as a reward for that he gets the girl, he gets Pomena. Mm. But Papageno wants to go and get a girl and he accidentally picks up wisdom on the way. So <laughs> Okay, you know, so it reminds her as magic flute. Yeah, 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 you know, so it reminded me a bit of that, you know, that oh. one of them is just going because it's the right thing to do and oh, look he gets the girl, the other one goes, Oh girl, uh, oh shit, I picked up what? some wisdom, damn. <laughs> Well, actually, I my, what was going through my head wasn't nearly so culturally uplifting. <laughs> I was thinking more of Eleanor as a bit of a Bond, James Bond. He is a bit. <laughs> he, he's, he does that kind of smooth, you know, I'm sailing in the water, the sea is as still as glass, and look at how shiny I am, and, you know, I will make love to you now. And he goes, well, I haven't made a tryst with you. Well, now you have. Let us yeah. make love. Yeah. And then he sort of gets up to leave, and she goes, oh, I don't even well, know what possibly, your name is. Yeah, you know, and basically... <laughs> he's then caused huge problems for the other side yeah. by producing this drug. You could actually call this screen the enemy, couldn't you? You could. <laughs> or maybe you shouldn't. Or a national provocateur. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. On the other hand, Kean's just swept up by events. And... Well, certainly in, in the folk story, he has, there's that image of being swept by this magical wind, you know, so it is, mm. it, within the imagery is this, this... And I mean, the cause, it's caused by the Favara. After yeah. all, it's the theft of the cow Exactly. The forge. Yeah. And again, you've got this red-haired boy at the forge. Yeah. Now, this it's... is something that uh, I, I think we mightn't have gone into it so much if you just to let people know what this particular episode in, in the folk Birth of Lou is about. When uh, Kian goes to the forge, he's making a spear. Yeah. I'm making a sword, actually. Yeah. I think it's a sword. And he's so busy with this that mm. the um, the cow, the, the glass gowan, yeah. it gets stolen. Now, Balor wants to steal it, but mm. he sends his, some places, his brother, mm. who is this red-haired child, mm. generally known as Samhain, yeah, yeah, to steal the cow. Yeah. But you've again got this red-haired child at the forge, a yeah. red-haired boy, yeah. causing problems yes, at the yeah. forge, yeah. Uh, just as, as um, Ruadvorn goes into the forge. And then there's this weird oh, idea somewhere, it seems to be Roman, but I can't track it back, mm. that the um, urine of a red-haired boy... Yeah would help in the making of steel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it seems to be a persistent... A persistent image, yeah. Image. Yeah. So the red-haired boy at the forge is mm. definitely important. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm not really sure why, but mm. there seems to be more than it is a recurring motive. Yeah, but it's that it's the theft of the Glasgow, and that means that Kean goes to yeah. Ballard's stronghold in order to rescue it. You know, so it's sort of bringing again. This yeah, that's role I'm of sorry, I interrupted the, the story. <laughs> that's okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So Kean is yeah. swept off by a magical wind yeah. created by a bureau to take him to the island where mm. the cow is and there he finds the Isle of the, the Tower of Glass yeah. in it. Um, Ethlyn is imprisoned by her grandfather. Who her father. Her father, rather. Yeah. Not her grandfather, sorry. Imprisoned by her father in case she should bear a child who will lay yeah. his grandfather low. Yes. Yeah. And then Kian realises that this woman is in the tower and mm. sees, a bit like Rapunzel, yeah. only her maids, her women, let him in. Mm. And uh, in some versions, he has to sleep with all her women before yes. he gets to Ethlyn, but eventually he does. And uh, yeah. so that's yeah, that's in terms of if you like the the Fovera and these sort of fatherings, but it, that's Kian's fathering of Log, and then you've got uh, Elitha's fathering of Bresh, which we have sort of looked at more recently in terms of it seems yes, that he so. deliberately goes. But to... the point is, it feels like one is deliberate. Yeah. And one is an accident. Accidental, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And then, of course, let's look at their mothers. We talked about yes. their mothers, Eru and Ethlyn, and I felt a bit sorry for them. Yeah. You know, the land and the kernel, mm, if you yeah, like. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you expect? Poor little princesses? Yeah. Or land ready for ploughing? Yeah, and for the sake of completeness on this mm. list of characters, I suppose we ought to re-mention Dagda and Ogma. Yeah. And just go again with our... Yes. Yeah. Who is Ogma? Yeah. <laughs> oh What's he doing here? I'm afraid we're a bit. Well, he does seem. Again, he seems a bit passive. Not not well known. That's the wrong word. Um, well, Ogma. Yeah, Ogma seems well just bothered about him. Yeah, surplus to requirements. Shall you know, we say. it's clear that Ogmius was a popular Celtic god. Yeah, yeah, on the continent. Certainly. And therefore, I think he was again another shiny foreigner. Yeah, it's like he was kind of important, so mm. maybe he should brought in. Yeah, but he's brought in. He has a very uncertain parentage, as yeah. you said. Yeah, I mean, it, it, every time he's given a, a, a parentage in this text, it's different. Sometimes he's Mac Aedina, which is the mm -hmm. son of Aedin, like Carbra Mac Aedina, who laid the satyr against Bresh. Sometimes he is Mac Ethlin, like Lou, the son of Ethlu. Um, and then sometimes he, he's even Mac Elithan, which is the son of Elitha, like Bresh. So, you know... Or eloquence. Or, or anything beginning with L, really. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so he he's he seems very kind of uncertain. Now, I mean, you as we've said before, you can't draw a family tree for these characters. Any it, of it, them. it will just turn your brain but inside out. But he's particularly vague. I think so, and he also tends to sort of hang off the Dagda's coattails. Everything the Dagda does. Yeah. He, I mean, he, it's a duplication of mm. little bits of what the Dagda does. So we feel yeah. that to be honest, um, interesting as he is, yeah. important as he is in Celtic terms, mm. he's not necessarily a part of this story. No, not necessarily. I mean, even that the the there's a couple of things that he does, if you like, and one of them is the story of collecting firewood out in Clue Bay, but even that seems a bit extraneous, you know, because it's it's a mirroring of the story of the Dagda well, and, the his, Dagda, and his food and building. And... Yeah, well, the Dagda, of course, is the great builder. Mm. And the great creator of particularly the foundations, yeah. but also the builder itself. Yeah. And therefore, if you were going to put down this character, what would you set him to do? To mm. belittle him, yeah. you would have him gathering, not not creating beautiful things out of mm. wood, but 
fabric firewood yeah yeah there, i don't know it yeah. just is a feeling but that sort of complete, completes the list of characters well, i suppose it, it completes our list i'm sure there are there are well, so many other examples, comparisons yeah. yeah end of part one to continue the conversation listen to part two